So good morning, everyone. Uh, welcome to the session, Minutes to Milliseconds. Uh, my name is Tafsir. I work as a chief software architect uh, for Kareem. Uh, Kareem is a ride-hailing uh, company based out of Middle East, uh, born and bred in Middle East, founded in 2012. Uh, we have recently hit the Unicamel status uh, a month back. Now, the reason we exist is to simplify and improve the lives of people and build an awesome organization that inspires. And we do that by, by using our ride-hailing platform and uh, offering people safe and clean and, uh, transportation in the region. Now, before we dig into a solution, let's understand the region that we operate in. The region that we operate in is a bit different from the mature West that you see out here. And a lot of decisions that we took and a lot of uh, technical decisions that we had to take were due to uh, this, uh, were due to these ground conditions. So the first, uh, first and foremost, infrastructure. The public infrastructure is not existent over there, and whatever there is, is uh, scrappy and old. People are stuck in traffic for hours, some of the regions are security challenged, and in some of the, e in some of the cities, estimating an ETA is a real challenge because the intersections are quite far apart due to high driving speeds. If you miss an exit, the ETA becomes or goes uh, exponentially high. The last and most important factor, social norms. In some of the region that we operate in, women cannot drive, and in some of the cities that we operate in, women cannot share right with men. That reduces the number of the products that we can offer to our customers. Um, we call our drivers who drive the cars on the road captains. This is an, um, this is something that uh, the, the word driver has a negative connotation in the region that we operate in. So we wanted to change that and we wanted uh, them to feel as part of the Kareem family and we also want them to become entrepreneurs and uh, expand the ecosystem by you know, improving their lives and by eventually over time making money to buy their own cars and running their own fleets. Now, let's just understand the right healing problem a little bit. So ride-hailing problem has multiple, has two personas, captain and customers. Customer is someone who wants to move from A to B, whereas a captain is someone who has a vehicle, be it a bus, a car, or a tuk-tuk, or a motorcycle, and wants to service customers and make a living. Now, connecting the two together is the market, is what we call marketplace. It's actually a conduit where we match customers with captains. Now. Due to the nature of our marketplace, we have to take real-time decisions, and that needs, uh, that actually requires us to build systems that can support some millisecond lookups and uh, fast computation. Now, customers and captains need to be matched very quickly because in this day, customers don't spend a lot of time on your app, and the cost to switch is very easy. They can, customers can change their mind, hail a cab, or worse, move to competition. Now, each, um, the marketplace itself has three important aspects, reliability, mass quality, and tracking. Reliability uh, has, different meanings for, has different meanings for different personas. For customers, it is the trust that they will be able to get a car anytime and anywhere they need it. For, cost, uh, for captains, it is the trust that they will be able to use the platform to make a living and uh, you know, improve their lives over time. Now, mass quality is someone, uh, we define it as a captain, who can reach the customer in the shortest amount of time without uh, with spending the least amount of fuel. So you need to pick the nearest captain to the customer. 
tracking. As I said, our region is a bit security challenged, and so our customers require the ability to track their rides or track the rides of their loved ones uh, if they share with them. So this requires us to ensure that we are able to track our captains in a very real-time nature uh, to, uh, to drive home that advantage. Now, basics, connectivity on the side. So when we started off, captains in the region are very humble, come from impoverished backgrounds, so they cannot afford these ex expensive Samsung and Nexus devices. Now, what results is they end up using low-end Android devices, and low-end Android devices keep their costs down by sacrificing on the GPS chip quality or CPU processing itself. Now, uh, the bad GPS, these uh, low quality GPS sensors, uh, you know, add a lot of noise to our GPS readings, which makes metering and uh, tracking really difficult. You know, we operate in a region where temperatures are normally between 46 degrees centigrade to 56 degrees centigrade in the summers. That means these metal-based phones, some of these metal-based phones can heat up pretty quick, and that affects the CPU, and uh, that in turn affects the performance of the app running on the phones. And the bigger disadvantage is that data is not cheap in that region. It's actually quite expensive, very expensive to begin with. And most captains can only afford something of one GB per bun, which highly limits the solution space uh, that we, uh, for our solutions. Number one, we will like to then make solutions where the services are non-chatty, that uh, the devices and servers are not communicating with each other frequently. Now, these bad GPS sensors also dictate that we use a functionality called something called snap to grid Google offers it, or Serum offers it. So that requires us that to store some previous pings of a captain as well to you know, reduce the noise from the ping itself and get a more accurate location out of the mix. So this plays into the factor that how much data we have to store and how much data we have to crunch through to deliver a compelling experience. Now, we will guide, we will walk you through a few takes that we did on the eventual solution and where we started off. But before we go into that, let's define a few metrics that we measure the success of our solutions off from. ETA. Now, ETA has two dimensions. One, the ETA that the customer sees when he or she books a car or a request a ride, and the actual ETA that the customer gets. Now, to have a very high to, have, to deliver a very compelling customer experience, you need the delta between the two to be as small as possible. Because if the delta is small as possible, then the customer is getting what he sees, which is a big advantage in the region where competition is a bit uh, tough as well. Now, time to match. The reason is because, as I said, customers would not spend a lot of time on your app. So if your process to find a match takes about minutes, whereas a customer can only spend the three minutes, will spend about a maximum of three minutes on your app, then you have wasted two minutes of that precious time just finding a captain and then making sure that the captain wants the ride or not, or you know, can be matched with this captain after the filters or not. So time needed to best make the best match is also very important. Tracking, as we said, tracking in our region is very important. So age of captain location plays a big part. So when you're tracking, uh, your ping, the, the, the location that you show or uh, the customer sees of a captain needs to be real time. It needs to be as close to its physical location on the network itself. So let's say a captain ping three minutes. If I'm collecting pings of captains every minute, then if I'm showing the customer captain's ping, the total duration ends up between three minutes from the ping and the, what the customer sees. So a customer is actually seeing 
may actually see a ping which is three minutes old, which does not really work well in a security challenge region as well. Then ratio of request match. This is how many people were requesting a ride and how many uh, you know, requests we were able to serve. Now, this also depends on the, on the supply that we have on the network. But assuming that we have constant or enough supply to meet demand, then uh, this matrix drives, you know, really, it gives you a really good insight on how the system or your algorithms are doing. So we believe in simplicity. So when we started off, we said, let's, how do we get captain's data on our network? So we built, we used a simple solution out there. We had a captain app that sends pings in a JSON format to the server, the server stores in MySQL. It was really simple, easy to get off. We were able to get it up and running in the days. Now, before we go into how this solution worked for us, let's just look at the scale when this happened. So we had about 19 cities, 500,000 customers, 9,000 captains, and these seven captains were making 1 million ETA requests, you know, approximately 30 million things, and 16 million lookups. Now, some of the issues that we faced while you know, using this solution. So first and foremost, we, had, we faced continuous deadlocks uh, and performance issues while uh, using the solution. So we had a table which stored a captain data and the captain last seen data together, so the coordinate. Now this row is, uh, will always be updated by multiple operational processes, meaning the customer's match, the last, so different transactions are updating the same row and MySQL has a weird thing that it locks it up. So we ran into this downward spiral where that, you know, with performance issues, you will go into logs, the application will start freeze, and we will separate downtime. One of the important aspects that we found was we started with MySQL 5.6, which had no geospatial support, which means that looking up uh, nearby captains was not trivial. The reason it was, because uh, coordinates, the coordinates is a multi-dimensional value. You can, we, you know, if you use the latitude, longitude, uh, with my, with my uh, 5.6, you have to, you, you actually stored it using two columns, latitude and longitude, and indexing them was a problem. And the only way you can look up nearby captors were using something what we call the Heversign formula by calculating straight line distances, spherical distances. That made the lookups pretty, uh, pretty slow. So in the end, for stability, because of the issues that we we're facing, we had to reduce the number of pings that we are getting each minute, and we reduced to one ping one minute. Now, all this affected our ETAs and customer experience, plus the cost balloon uh, in respect to what we were getting out of it, because we were using over-provision servers to just to avoid deadlocks by throwing a lot of CPU power on top of it. Now, this, is, uh, this graph gives you some uh, idea of what we were able to get, that the actual ETA that we were seeing, customers were seeing was about 11 minutes. Promise ETA had a higher delta between the two. The time to match was about three minutes when we started off. Now, it worked for a bit, but it was not a great solution. Now, the most important aspect, we were only able to serve 40% of the request because customers will switch, because we were taking a long time in making that match, Plus, uh, because of the reliability issues that we had with the system itself, uh, a lot of people just uh, didn't use our service at that time. And the uptime was uh, not very high. Now, some things that we learned on the go. The, the, the market that we operate in, or the business that we use, is highly volatile. Each 
government has its own set of regulations. Each city presents a different challenge out there. So what you foremost need is an ability to modify or alter your schema at will. Where the high transaction uh, table, MySQL table, altering a schema is not trivial. You will have to take a downtime or shut down your system to ensure to update those schemas. And we wanted an ability, so we decided that we needed an ability to alter the subject schema at will. Now, uh, data is volatile. Uh, a ping is relevant only for the next ping, till the next ping comes in. So if you lose that ping after that, then yeah, it doesn't hurt us because we only need the most recent location for dispatching purposes. Plus, uh, so as right hailing works, and you will see a spike in traffic in the morning rush hours or during the evening rush hours. So you'll see a lot more captains coming online, a lot more customers uh, requesting rides. And that is where we, you know, we knew that we need a buffer to actually deal with this, uh, these spikes and to be able to process all things uh, accordingly. Second, we needed a mechanism to represent coordinates as a scalar value. Uh, having them as a multi-dimensional value was limiting our solution space. These were some of the learnings we'll ever take one. Now, while building the next uh, stage of a solution, we decided on a few things. We are going to be schema-less because we are constantly changing. So we wanted the ability to change the schema at will. We wanted to use buffers, so that's why we said let's use SQS as buffers. And then DynamoDB. So this offered us to store uh, captains for a long time per system. And we used Elastic Cache to store captain pings in memory so that we can look them up in a faster way. So why Redis? Redis has a unique architecture which results in more cleaner and more elegant code with fewer lines, plus it's a lock-free architecture. And though runs, it's single-threaded. That has some issues on its own, but uh, yeah, it's a pretty much lock-free architecture that alleviates a lot of the problems that we were getting with constant updates to the same row by multiple transactions. Um, it has a very rich data set, uh, strings and sorted sets. You can use a lot of, you can use sorted sets to uh, sort on the database level rather than on the application level. And data structures, um, you know, these are, there are built-in data structures that process data optimally. You can use a few more tricks like pipelining and primary replica configuration to speed up the performance of your application if need be, without actually uh, expending more on the infrastructure or hardware. So why we chose Elastic Cache? In-memory key value pair, because our captain uh, location lookups for key value. So given a captain, there will always be one uh, last scene. So key value store, it has high performance. You can look up millions and millions of uh, records over a short amount of time, delivering some millisecond latencies that helped us pretty much fully manage. So as you said, we were starting up and we wanted to spend more time on solving the business problems rather than handling the infrastructure side of it. So we are big fans of managed services and that's where we, when we evaluated it, we were blown away by a lot of performances, but it was highly available and reliable. It offered a lot of things out of the box that we didn't want to worry about at that time. Plus we were able to save a lot of developers, 25% of developers time when building or rolling out solutions because yeah, it's there, launch a cluster and then let's solve the problem that we want to really solve for the real time, uh, the real world problem. So that's, this is how we then uh, build our solution. We had, a, we had captains, uh, apps, uh, sending pings to, an, to a queue which were uh, processed by a worker 
a worker stored these pings in a cluster that is cluster itself and to a DynamoDB as well. So we, but we, what we did, one more thing is we have, so in our network we are trading about from out of 17 cities. Some cities are far bigger than other cities. So we have dedicated uh, specific clusters for those uh, cities and countries and you know, bunched all the remaining to one. So that's what ROW, rest of the world. So this is how our data structures look like. Key, deterministic key, so that you can, given a captain ID, you can easily compute the key, and then given the key, you can easily get the data within a millisecond. Now this is what we call very interesting. So <clears throat> we said we wanted, the primary problem that we wanted to solve for is finding the nearby captains. And to do that, we identified that we have to represent coordinates as a scalar value. There are a few um, standards out there that you can use. We went with GeoHash. So GeoHash is a concept that can uh, compress uh, a string or represent a, a coordinate as an alphanumeric string. It's, uh, it, it also has its uh, depth. So a GeoHash, a GeoHash string can be at most 12 characters. So a 12 character pings is the most granular level of a coordinate. And if you start uh, removing characters from the end, that you will get start getting a bounding box from that coordinate upwards. We went with five <coughs> characters geohash, which means double A, double B, C, which gives us a bounding bo box of about 2.7 kilometers. So, and the reason we did that, because a lot of our dispatching algorithms, the radius that we had defined were about three kilometers itself. So 2.7 was a very good, uh, was, a very, was very close to a business objective as well, how we were dispatching really. So what we said, so a captain ping comes in, we get the coordinate, convert into a geohash, take the geohash group, five-character geohash group, find which, cap, which products that this captain can serve, because we have some offerings like economy, business, business plus, and then um, add this captain to all those sorted sets. So the key becomes very deterministic. Uh, the customer side can also make this key, compute this key, the captain side can also compute this key. And we add the captain to this sorted set. Now, sorted sets offer you an attribute which you call score. You can use, it's a double value, and we decided to use the timestamp then when the captain last ping as a score. So what this offered is, so when we wanted to see all captains within a geohash or within a location, nearby a location, and we wanted all only captains that have pinged within the last 30 seconds, we just did a computation. Hey, look up this sorted set, current timestamp minus 30 seconds, all cap keys with a score greater than this, returned a sorted set out of the box, which was pretty good, because we don't then have to go through all the captains and sequentially all in parallel filter them out. So now, this captain was in, uh, in the geohash double AABC, and let's say when he pinged next, he moved to the next uh, geohash, which was AABD. So this is how he will move through different uh, sorted sets as an indexing, in an index fashion. So we will remove it from the previous index and add him to the new index or the sorted set. This is how it, our dispatching would look like. So when we were dispatching, we would dispatch in a grid of three by three, which means from any point, a maximum area we covered was about nine kilometers. And with GeoHash, in the libraries out there, it's very easy to compute the neighbors of a uh, central uh, GeoHash as well. So let's say if the customer is 
it's a green, dark green spot, and the, the red green spots are ill-eligible captives because they may be busy with another ride, or they may not be serving the same uh, customer, the product, and all the other greens may be eligible captains. So that we were able to get this list of captains in a very, very quick time, milliseconds, and then, you know, then we can use that save, the amount of time that we save, we use the same time to apply additional filters by using OSLM matrices, Google services, to get the best captain that can reach a customer the fastest, not distance-wise, but time-wise, that will reach the customer the fastest. Now, when we, when we build the solution, our scale was a bit different. We were in a lot more cities, six million customers, a lot more ETA requests because people like to see where the nearest car is. So in the region, people compare where the nearest captain is and go with the provider which is offering the nearest captain or the fastest captain. <clears throat> now, with this, we were able to reduce the time to match, the ETA, and, and we were able to make sure that the delta between the promised ETA and the actual ETA is, was constant across time. So this was pretty much what we were hoping for. Reliability went up. We were able to serve 86% of the request. And beyond this point, it actually then becomes a function of supply. So the system or algorithm was doing what it was, what was asked of it to do. Uptime, uh, we, uh, we went to a 100%, nearly 100% uptime because we were not facing locks. And uh, yeah, this is just an insight into how fast our lookups are using our monitoring tools. Now, what this really meant is we were able to ping more frequently, 15 seconds, every 15 seconds, that four per minute, improve ETS because uh, we were pinging so nearby each other that snap to grid, uh, the performance for snap to grid increased because you had far more, far more pings closer to each other. That meant that it can reduce the noise out of those pings pretty much well, and we were able to get an accuracy of even down to the lane level. Now, it, once you have a very accurate uh, picture of where the captain is, you can, you know, your algorithms can then decide what the, who the best captain is because they have reduced the noise. And in some of the cases, we noticed the noise could be as much as one kilometers in the pings itself or the GPS coordinates itself. Uh, side benefit, granular level uh, tracking for customers improved because they can, with a very high certainty, they can know where the captain is actually is. The average age of the location that a customer was seeing was down from 180 seconds to about 45 seconds. That was a big win because that's as close to real time as you can get. But the most important thing that we were able to do is we were able to save uh, time while matching. So previously we had to look up across the database which, which captains were nearby using a straight line distance, et cetera, and then filtering them. Plus with this approach, we were, since we were able to, able, uh, able to get a lot of captains far quicker, and apply additional uh, algorithms on them. So we were able to reduce the time to match about 15 seconds. This was that if a customer pressed uh, get right, it will take him about 15 seconds, worst case, to get assigned to a captain. That was a big one. So let's look at what our stack was. We are predominantly Java company. Uh, we use Spring Boot as a lot of framework because the ecosystem is pretty rich and we deploy majority of our applications as Elastic Beanstalk applications. That, 
So let's dig in into some of how Redis, what Redis offers in general. So Redis comes in three major flavors, standalone. You just set up your own single standalone cluster and read it as both for reads and writes. Primary replica, so it has, it works the same way database replication works today. You have a primary node, and then you have replica nodes that it's replicating out of. The best thing is that since this replication is also built in memory, it's quite fast. And in our time, we have never experienced a lag, or whatever lag we have noticed was in milliseconds. So you can uh, discard that lag. So it was pretty fast, and you can uh, scale out reads pretty quickly as well. Cluster Redis. Now, this is the only data source that I know of that offers sharding out of the box, and where you can shard with, you know, it does not require your applications to know how your data is sharded. So it's application agnostic. So that it offers a lot more flexibility and a lot more uh, advantage over the data sources. <clears throat> so when you know, let's when you're setting this up, a few things that you need that we should always care uh, take care of: have multiple replicas in your cluster. And standalone mode works well for a lot of um, for some basic use cases, but for an enterprise or a consumer level application, always go for the minimum as a primary, uh, primary and replica configuration, where you have multiple uh, slaves in your cluster. Always configure a backup from your replica, because if you configure uh, backups from your master, it will take, when the backup starts, it will take down your master node for a few minutes. It will you know, uh, load all the data that's in memory and start backing it up, and your node will become unavailable for two to three minutes, and if you are a constantly serving business, that may mean a downtime for some of your critical processes. Um, if you're using AWS Elastic Cache, never connect directly to the master node. Always use the endpoints that they have uh, available because if a failover happens, your application would not need to be you know, need to do not need to do anything. It will happen behind the scenes, and things will still keep working. <clears throat> but if you're working, with, if you're connecting directly to the master node and uh, writing directly to the master node, connecting to it, and then if the failover happens, then you might start seeing that we are unable to write to a read-only replica. Set aside 30% uh, of your memory for a lot of Redis operations. Um, else, if you start when you know, when you start to take a backup, it will take far take more time. When it's going into recovery mode, it will take more time and eventually cause you downtimes as well. So, scaling. So, with Redis, uh, you know, single point of, uh, if you use single node, it's a single point of failure, and you will never be able to scale out. Always remember, Redis is a single-threaded application, so no matter how many cores your server has, doesn't matter. It's single-threaded. It will max use one core. So to read out, uh, to read scale out, we the uh, recommendation is you read from the slaves and write to the master, because the replica lag is non-existent. It's virtually non-existent. So you can use that to your advantage and scale out your reads pretty much. So what we did was <coughs> we wrote our own library. What it does is configures out all the read endpoints or read nodes in the slave, and connects our instances to, you know, divides the full application across all the nodes. So we use all the nodes the same amount of uh, times. 
So let's say our instance or our application <coughs> has 12 instances running in an Elastic Beanstalk application, and we have a Redis cluster with four replicas. So at max, each cluster, each read replica will be serving three instances at max. So that you know, scales out your read pretty much, pretty evenly and pretty well. One thing that we learned over time in the hard way was getting the most out of any Redis configuration or any hosting is choosing the right library. Uh, we started with Jetis. It was the most basic library out there, but it did not uh, serve a more of an advanced use cases. Choose the right client library. That's pretty important. So now we are still growing. We, we are growing like crazy, so we still need it for the scaling. <clears throat> so now we, want, we are working on a few products that require us to ping more frequently. Now, previously when a captain started a ride, that captain's location, uh, we, you know, we didn't need that data as fast as we needed when the captain was not in ride because we don't, when a captain is assigned to a ride, it's basically undispatchable for us, you know, unless and until that ride finishes or the captain is available back to it. But we're working on a few products like pooling where the same captain can be matched to another booking as well. But that means that even in ride, the number of the frequency of pings will not go down. That means we'll be processing far more pings, even though maybe we're serving 86% of requests, we'll be serving, uh, you know, processing far more pings than usual. Plus, the business wanted to go to a very minute level of ping every five seconds. That's a big uh, ask because that suddenly increases the problem space by 3x just by going to five seconds. Because the reasoning behind it was still that the gains that we saw by going to 15 seconds, if you go to five seconds and use the last six or seven pings with snap to grade and the factors, we'll get a far, a highly accurate location. Plus, then maybe we can avoid using GPS and use something which Android has called fuse locations, which has a higher chance of noise, but still works in worst conditions as well. So that's what we want to do. Now, but other side, we had far more captains on the road itself, more captains reading uh, captain's data for tracking other purposes. Uh, the business wanted the same demand, their performance in terms of uh, promised ETAs, the delta between ETAs, time to matches, etc. But as a tech side, we wanted to ensure that all of our writes and reads are more balanced and we are using, we are getting the max out of the provisioning costs that we are spending. Just a few numbers to see out where we are now. 80 cities, 15 million customers, uh, half a million captains. These are active captains, actually. The number of captains may be longer, but these are active captains on the network <coughs> on our peak time. So we had 15 million requests because a lot of people now compare businesses. Okay, the competition is, okay, is, a, is a captain one minute away. Now you have a captain three minutes away. So you will see a lot more uh, ETA requests, a lot more pings because we are going to a greater uh, very frequent pings and a lot more lookups because of the growth in business. Now, um, we, we did a few uh, problems, uh, problem solutions out there. We looked at a few things. Um, <clears throat> the primary sharding that we had, where we were separating, we had dedicated few clusters for some big growth countries. They became a problem in themselves because they became so big that even at the country level, 
they were not good enough or not small enough for a problem to solve for. Plus, we were going in more and more cities. So maybe a country like Pakistan, who we have, we have 16 cities, will have a lot more sorted or uh, geohash indexes versus a country uh, like Bahrain, which has just one city being served. The problem was getting compounded with more cities that we go in. <clears throat> so we started looking at, we just identified charting is the way to go. So how best should we chart? Should we uh, go to a city level and have single Redis clusters on each city or zone level? That worked, that could work out of the box because we already had a platform that was working, we just needed to change configurations. But the downside would have been that the provisioning and management of those clusters will become a pain because 80 clusters, 80 cities, uh, big cities like Karachi, Cairo, Riyadh, maybe multiple clusters in the city, it will become a provisioning and management nightmare over time. So uh, Redis with 3.0 <coughs> has a cluster mode, sorry. So a cluster mode is basically multiple primaries in one big cluster, and you can shard data across it. So it has slots, has slots, I think 15, 99, or 16, 132, and it distributes, you can distribute them equally across different, shard, uh, different shards, or you can set, hey, this shard, uh, this number of slots is for this shard, this slots is this shard, and depending on needs. So it uses a CRC algorithm to convert your uh, key into a hash slot and then sends it to the right uh, shard or primary. Now each primary can have a lot of uh, its own set of replicas and we can have a lot of number of shards. And plus the big, biggest advantage is still application agnostic. So you don't need to really change your application code per se and to take advantage of this. That was a big win when you were considering this. So we went with this. Uh, but when we started using it, we ran into a few performance issues as well. Because if you are using a shard and if you don't know, so when you're looking up a data for captain, it will ask for all the shards in the cluster that do you have this data or not. Now you can avoid that by using hashtags. So what a hashtag does is the text between the key, it only translates this part into a CRC rather than the full key. So then basically you can use this technique to co-host a lot of data that you require to be read uh, together or has a very close association with each other. It will offer you a lot of uh, advantages over performance in some cases because, yeah. So this is how our solution looked like. Still the same, things coming into a queue, worker processing it, but now instead of a single clusters, it's going into different sharded clusters. Uh, that's how we were able to scale out different uh, countries, even if they were, you know, even if we added more and more cities to the mix. If we added more cities, it's just adding more primary or more shards to that cluster to, you know, have a scale out ASAP. <coughs> so performance remained consistent. Uh, that was the biggest advantage with, with spending minimum amount of effort. We were able to uh, keep the same performance that we were uh, able to drive from the previous solution of, so, sorry, that is it, any questions? <clears throat>